Hello and welcome to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner and this is my podcast where every episode we make a playlist for a specific life event, moment, or occasion, always with a special guest. And today we're making a playlist for a coven dance party with my special guest, comedian, writer, host, everything, Guy Branham. Hello, good to be here. Uh, I am ill, and I'm excited that a podcast is a fun opportunity for me to talk to Eliza, but be six feet away from her to prevent infection. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a it's a good studio d- distance. <laughs> also, let's be clear: Coven Dance Party was just a um, man tweaking of your witch disco, <laughs> and I loved the idea of witch disco. I was just concerned that that would like bind us to the years 1972 to 1981, mm-hmm. um, which was probably silly of me. Those who care about music more probably are comfortable with using the term disco to embrace. No, no, I did mean that. Oh, okay. I meant specifically disco. Yeah. So yeah, you did open it up by making it a coven dance party. Because the minute you said that, um, I recently got back from a very long trip and um, I was... oh. Like, I was in a, a dance club in Amsterdam. and there, What a trip. But, like, it was so lovely to see uh, little gay Dutch boys who were 18 being inculcated to, like, dance music of the 90s and early 2000s that it's their job to know. And that is, by the way, it, that would be a, a wide range um, use of the term disco because they call them discos. Yes. There, yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. If anyone's listening from not America. <laughs> To us, we don't. We call them clubs. You've it, heard from our club songs. Yes, and so there were there were a couple of things from that experience that I was like, no, I, I want to pick that song, and so needed <laughs> it to be dance party available to yes. you. Yeah, got it. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, and I always pitch a few ideas to the guests, and you know, we go back and forth. I did want to give you some sort of witch idea. Mm-hmm. Although we did recently do a playlist for a party with uh, monsters and ghosts. A party for, for monsters and ghosts with our friend Aparna. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I was like, oh, how fun that what, Guy what, and Aparna are doing. What were <laughs> like the selections adjacent. for that? They were, um, they were uh, they, it was like more new kind of skewing toward, is, is indie a thing anymore? Yeah. I don't really know if it is. Uh, I'm, I called it a lot of coffee shop rock. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, with a lot of animal and monster references in it. And, oh, and no, not monsters, ghosts, animals and ghosts. Um, Eliza, I have to ask you, the minute I started conceptualizing this, I of course was setting the stage for common dance party. And I just have to understand if you have the same image in your mind. Of... Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I just wonder what the setting is. For mine, I was thinking almost like an office party. Like this is like the location is at the the coven headquarters and someone had to go buy solo cups <laughs> and set up a sound system because we're going to have a party there tonight. Yes. Um, I suppose I could have gone for a lot more like dancing in the moonlight um, naked in a forest. But yeah, I really was like, it's some, some witch interns <laughs> have to set up for the party. What were you thinking? <laughs> I was thinking very much more dancing in the wood lights, okay, okay. a clearing in a wood. Okay, okay, good. Well, that, that means we've got it all covered. Yes. Um, so, perfect. Very excited. Um, great. Do you want to just get into this playlist? Yes. All right. Oh, well, actually, before we do... Like, I feel like people are familiar with you. My name is Guy Branham, who's the host of the uh, short-lived talk show The Game Show on True TV. I am the author of My Life as a Goddess, um, which is a book I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've written for lots of shows like Chelsea Lately, Totally Biased, with uh, W. Kamau Bell, which Eliza and I worked uh, together on. Yes, we did. Um, Awkward on MTV, mm-hmm. and The Mindy Project. Yes. And you're also the host of... Pop Rocket. I'm also the host of Pop Rocket, a weekly show covering all the pop culture we love to love with three other panelists. Yeah. And and um, so I feel like that gives you a, a very uh, storied exploration of pop music. That's true, except... Does that tell you story <laughs> Every week on Pop Rocket, we're supposed to recommend a jam to everyone, and mm-hmm. I'm the most likely to cop out. Like, I'm the most likely to do an old song or a podcast or just be like, pass. Wow. You just straight up pass? Yes. Hmm. Do you feel like passing is better than reusing an old... Uh... I mean, I could... The thing is, is I'm just like, I love the main discussion so much. Why waste three minutes on, like, whatever it is? Look, when I've got something... You know, when I discovered Cake by the Ocean, I was excited to bring it to everyone else. <laughs> but Yes, I love Cake by the Ocean. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, great. 
now we can get into the playlist. Yeah. So they know the point of view are coming from. Um, the first song on it is one of my choices. That is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Now, I feel like for a witch playlist, everyone's expecting a Stevie song. Yeah. And I'm like, you do that. You, you guys already know that. What about Christine McVeigh? She she wrote this and does the lead vocals on it. And it's like a huge hit of theirs, but I feel like it also kind of gets lost a little bit. It's so moody. Mm-hmm. And also like very much in, in fitting. It has with, that like magic-y with, sound. This is so my witch aesthetics. <laughs> like this is what I think of when it's witch music. And there's always that temptation to go for Rhiannon or mm-hmm. Edge of Seventeen, mm-hmm. or even I was tempted. Any Belladonna hit. I was tempted. I was tempted to go with Bootylicious because it has the magic of the three. Uh, oh, they call the corners. <laughs> they call the corners, and it's it's got that bit of Edge of Seventeen. But this is a very lovely choice. Thank you. Yeah, um, and it's from Tango in the Night, um, released in nineteen. 19- 87. So do you think this is just like, as the witches are showing up, sort mm-hmm. of like setting yeah. a mood? Oh my gosh, you guys put lights up. Oh, <laughs> this is pretty in here. Oh, who did this? Was it, was it Rasmuth? Oh, that's nice. It's good to put him to work. That's that's what that song is about. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, it's hard to compete with Stevie Nicks in terms of witch. Yeah. I mean, she's... Throwing such good energy at you, I remember the way that my parents and my aunts and uncles and, and my parents' friends talked about Stevie Nicks around 1981, 1982. And it was sort of like, she had this like great erotic power over my uncle Ronnie. And I remember... <laughs> How did that not make it in the book? <laughs> Um, and uh, I, I, my my mom and dad being somewhat skeptical of the sophistication of Fleetwood Mac, oh. and that always made me um, w- worry about, but also be excited for Stevie Nicks. Like she was sort of transgressive, yes, but part of the adult conversation also, right? Um, in a way that. Freddie Mercury, I knew that Freddie Mercury was deeply transgressive in some way. I didn't entirely understand how. Mm-hmm. But, like, Stevie Nicks's was within the world of sort of, like, mature adult heterosexuality that possibly leads to divorce. Oh, but also because so- it's a sexy lady. Yes, but also she sophistication. She draws people into the, into the woods in the night. Right. Um, have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh, yes. Just watched it yesterday. I mean, it's an important story about the dangers of homosexuality, it- you know? But Rami Ma- Malik, am I yes, saying that right? He's so good. He's so good. But yeah, the the story is a little patchworky. Yeah, to say the least. No, uh, it's weird and bad. But he's so good. <laughs> I, I like they showed a preview for um, the the Elton John movie, and I was excited for that. Oh, I haven't seen a preview for that yet. Mm, okay, cool, cool, cool. You want to go to your next song? Yes. So the specific song that I heard in Amsterdam and desperately wanted to be, the minute you said witch disco, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a song I had become obsessed with after I heard a clip of it in Amsterdam. Um, And that is uh, Murder on the Dance Floor by uh, Sophie Ellis Baxter, mainly because it's such a great song and I can't figure out what it's about. (laughs) It is great. Um, It came out in 2001 yes and she's just like essentially had one hit and then has had like an okay-ish career since then yeah uh, oh apparently it was the most played song in Europe in 2002 like it's such a good sort of like medium energy post Day world like post 90s dance music kind of song mm-hmm. and I just loved the idea that our witch or our coven dance party was opening up with uh, like a literal murder on the dance floor. Oh, so someone has been murdered at this party. There's a there's a sacrifice. There's like mm-hmm. a man strapped to a rock. I think it's like a fun double entendre because I think it's possible that some of the witches are arriving in the form of crows. Oh. And, and so there's a murder on the dance floor in that sense. I love it. 
but then also... They murder someone. They, they are murdering someone just to <laughs> sanctify the space and fill it with the proper energy. Now, is he scared or bewitched or into it? I think all three of them at the same time. Mm. Like, it's terrifying. In the song, she is literally like, um, I know there are others, and she's like managing his emotions um, <laughs> in a way that I find very interesting, but also I, I don't think anyone can deny the erotic power of the situation. I mean, I think that it, it could have gone... The story of this could have gone a whole different direction if I had picked a, a DJ Save My Life tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I really liked the song. I jammed out to it pretty hard. Um, it's it's a good song. Also, but about DJ Save My Life tonight, she also in this song is I, I like I like a song that is declaring a relationship with the DJ. I think that mm. that's very important because I DJing is a form of witchcraft. It is like you're creating magic for the space. You're allowing people to transgress social boundaries and, and stuff it's not like a, that. Not a physical magic that you can see or hold. Yeah, it's in the air. So I thought vibrations. The, the place of the DJ at a coven dance party is really interesting. Is the DJ the supreme? Is it like some sort of shirtless man who is ensorcelled by them? Or is it like... Why the DJ an, gotta be a guy? Right, exactly. Is it an otter? You know? <laughs> Was it formerly an otter who is now a shirtless man? <laughs> he can't be constrained by shirts. He'll wear the pants, but begrudgingly. Oh, um, uh, while in Amsterdam at a different dance club, I got in a an argument with a man who was in an otter costume that was open to below the navel. That's a sexy otter. It is. Was it like? Is that like a like a, a, a gay man classification style otter? No. Or was he just like I feel fun this way? No, he was just wearing like a little animal costume, and I was like, mm. okay. Hmm. Um. What. Where where did your interest in witches begin? Um, I like ladies with power. Mm. Uh, we'll get that to that in my next selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, we'll I, get there in a few of the selections. <laughs> but I, I think it was just um, the ability to transgress conventional rules. Like from childhood, it was sort of the medical. They were the metaphysical beings who were most interesting to me because I don't want to deal with anyone who doesn't have an intellect. And witches are like always keen and calculating. Um, yeah, they have recipes for the things that they do. They don't just like. They're not like throwing firebolts. They are conjuring them by putting together the correct ingredients in the right way. You have to have expertise for that. It requires cunning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I liked that. And I think I liked anyone who had power that didn't conform to sort of like heterosexual masculinity. Mm-hmm. Were you always uh, a villain fan or? No, I, as a younger person, was very committed to heroes and found even to the extent that Michael McKeon I didn't like for a really long time because I just found Lenny and Squeaky so distasteful. <laughs> they were always interrupting Laverne and Shirley's wonderful plans. Well, they were dumb. <laughs> if they had had if they had had like one smart friend, I would have been in love forever yes. with like the smart guy who hung out with those two henchmen. Yeah. But I, I talk a lot in the book about, I think Bewitched did a lot for me um, because they were witches, but they were... Good witches. I, I mean, good or chaotic neutral, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I like I, to think of myself as chaotic <laughs> neutral, but I think I'm striving for it. I think I'm way too lawful for my own <laughs> good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Eliza. What those nerds. are solid D&D jokes. <laughs> oh, I am inaccessible to most. Um, yeah, I always, I, I liked the princesses, but I I, want you to do a dance album called Inaccessible to Most. Okay. (laughs) Right now I'm working on an album. I mean, I don't want to give it all away, but I'll tell you, I'm working on an EP of songs that I sing to my cat. Oh, that's very fun. My, as you've referred to him, familiar. Yes. Um, It's a good cat. I don't like people's pets generally. I enjoy your cat. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's real laid back and he fucks a lot. I think everyone knows that, right? That he's got a sex toy. I've talked about it before, I think. Uh, if you, if I haven't, my cat, he is fixed, is very sexual, and he has a stuffed rabbit that I've gotten him that he humps so that he leaves my guests and myself alone. Uh, I don't judge him for it. He doesn't know what he's doing, so let's all be okay with it. Anyway, um, I, I liked the princesses, but I never identified with them the way I identified with the villains. Yeah. When I would play, you know, you... I didn't really like playing house, but anything where you got to like name yourself or someone else, uh-huh. like any games on playgrounds, uh, I always picked Maleficent. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I was like, what a beautiful name. Well, the character of the pre-1989 villainesses 
like were arch but didn't have the personality of the post-1989 villainesses, including both Scar and Jafar as villainesses. <laughs> um, but uh, on that subject of identification, there's a really good video of Cola Scola singing uh, He Is Four. And he's singing a medley from The Little Mermaid. I mean, it's Cola Scola's voice, so it's perfect and angelic. <laughs> and he sings um, perfect and angelic, um, part of your world, and then uh, poor unfortunate souls. Uh-huh. And you just see this little child come alive when he gets to be... Uh, powerful and bad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's what every kid wants to be. To be. Yes. Every kid wants to be powerful and bad. And then they drew them all as beautiful and like so stylish. Like, yeah. Even if they weren't conventionally beautiful. Those fucking Ursula, Maleficent horns. Yeah. yeah those, but, and like Ursula has, you know, uh, eight legs and a couple extra pounds. Yeah. Beautiful eyebrows. Right. Hair that does exactly what she wants it to. I mean, uh, I mean th- gorgeous. Giving her, giving her what could only be described as like foot hair, um, mm-hmm. is like we didn't even we didn't have Rachel Maddow back then. How how did they know to do that? Well, on the one hand, it's like oh yeah, so the businesswoman's evil. But on the other hand, you love her. So I'm like, is she even? Is the, are you telling? Are you teaching kids that like? Because I feel like she is the businesswoman of but, the, the, uh, the show. There. That's such a great reading. But also, because that's the hair. That's '80s business lady hair. Uh, I did not think about that. But I mean, it, it is the thing of at the end of the day, Sigourney Weaver is the only woman in Working Girl you'd want to be. You know, is she? I mean, I mean, she steals and has a broken leg. <laughs> like. But she's more awesome than you know. Uh, retiring, what's her name? Who, but but she Tess. learns. To, but Tess learns to not be retired. I don't know. I just am, uh, am excited that she's got a bod for biz. No, uh, a head for business and a bod for sin. I mean, come on. Who does again? That's what. That's what you want. It is pretty great. Also, remember when the Baldwins were sexy? Oh yeah, look like across the board, and then they fell apart. Anyway, um, I'm trying to get them as guests, so I shouldn't be too mean. <laughs> That is a joke. That would be ridiculous. Anyway, next song, my choice, Ray of Light by Madonna. (laughs) I'm sorry I interrupted you. No. (laughs) Released in 1998 off of Ray of Light. It's got a long intro. Why is this such a witchy song? This was her witch. This was her Kabbalah phase. I mean, well, and also, like, I mean, it's... Yoga. Oh, she's such a witch. (laughs) It was the transition. It was like Hindu cowboy into Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. And both of those sort of traditions of um, mysticism. And also Zephyr in the sky, like, you know. It's like she's calling to, yeah, the winds. Uh, Um, And this was her... This was her mother album. Uh-huh. This was her like, I am a yes. mother now. I have mother powers, which traditionally I think people's like albums for their kids. Usually it's a, like, a stumbling block as far as the rest uh-huh. of us listening to it. Like, I'm glad for what you're going through. But like, I don't know. It's not always the, the jammiest jams. Um, you want to know who does good mom work? Speaking of working girl. Carly Simon. Well, yeah, but that's like, that's a whole different vibe, but yeah. sure, yeah. This was the one song that I was truly satisfied I did not think to include because I, I like, I did this very last minute as I do everything. <laughs> um, and so I sent you uh, six songs, tweaked one of them, and then was like, how did I not include Ray of Light? Because Ray of Light, when it came out, um, it seemed like a song that in that DJ capacity to change the way the world works seems so full of that. And it was a song that, like, empo- like felt empowering and mystical. Yeah. Well, it was also we were leading towards the change of the millennium, Y2K, and so everything was sort of like mystical and what will this what will this time change number change do to all of us uh which was not a lot uh but it, it felt like people were, were looking for uh, auspicious signs and importance um and the way that i make these is um i try to make my choices kind of guided by my guest choices and your choices were clearly calling for ray of light yes. over and over well the thing is is that i um so I like came out after my first year of law school in um, '99, I guess, um, and so av- 
there were like two or three years before that when I had like been at college enough that I was like starting to feel myself and like culture was really guiding me in a direction of being more empowered. And once I came out, it all went to shit and I just became depressed. But like I have but like, like, a, like, you know. Uh, a true, fully realized depression. No, that's like, true. Where you're being your real depressed self. But, like, the stuff from, like, 96 to 99 is just full of magic and witchcraft that, like, helped me feel like I could control my world. Now, at this coven dance party, <laughs> I felt like we needed to invoke the power of a guiding spirit. Mm-hmm. Someone truly magnificently wicked and powerful. So my next selection is Maggie's Next Party um, by the DJ V.I.M. It is a remarkable record. I didn't know that someone besides you could make this song. anything we have ever known. The bass goes on. The bass goes on. The bass goes on. So it is an acid dance track um, composed entirely of quotes from Margaret Thatcher. That's why I didn't know that anyone besides you could make this song. Um, and it really is, it captures her essence so well. There's a point when she just starts talking about how great she is. Um, I am quite, like, um, like, she, like, uh, she says she's beautiful and creative and other stuff I forget. But, like, it really captures, um, that capacity, basically, as a little kid, there was one lady on television who was truly in charge of things and, like, not asking for permission or anything, and I fell in love with her before I realized that she was a monster who was terrible to lots of people. But let's be honest. To me, she was a spitting image character. <laughs> oh, God, spitting image. You, you of course, famously at Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction gave me the category spitting image, um, like... You knew that I was doing it. You put it in just because you knew that if I got it, I would have the most fun with it, and I did. I was I was so excited you got that was I went just as a um, an audience member. It's a show that I've done a lot. We've both done yeah. Um, and it's where there are two rounds, and for the audience suggestion round, the audience gets to write down suggestions, and the people in that round pull them out of a hat, and they have to write whatever suggestion they get. And I put put in two suggestions and you got spitting image and I was like, oh my God, I'm a witch because that's <laughs> the perfect person to get this. No one else, like almost in the world, would be able to write it, let alone on that show. And the other one that I put in was Tim Burton and um, Jared Logan got that. That's wonderful. And it was also, I was like, yes, exactly. And you guys both uh, murdered the um, dance floor. Uh, spinning image for those who aren't familiar. It's puppets of 1980s political figures. <laughs> and like grotesque ones. They were. It was used in a music video for a Phil Collins song. Oh, it was um, so and, or maybe it was Genesis. Probably Genesis. And now I'm blanking on which song it was. So it, it might. They might look familiar to you from that. But yeah. But like. I've, with When it comes to Thatcher, I feel like there are so many dudes that we have statues of who did terrible things, but we're all supposed to cluck our tongues at Margaret Thatcher. And I really just feel like the witches we're dealing with, they understand you got to break some eggs, you know? Well, I have a friend who would always say, oh, dude, um, who would always just say, man, I wish women were in charge. If women were in charge, the world would be great. Everybody would be happy. Like it would all be, we would all be kind and wonderful. And I was like, I'm always like, no, they wouldn't be. Yeah. If women were in charge, we would be terrible. Yeah. It's power. Power corrupts. Power makes you bad. It, there's not something magical about any set of genitals or hormones that is like good and evil. It's well, there's power. also this very res- like reductive, restrictive thing with it. To- within which women have to fit. It's like kind of the other side of the Smurfette problem of there's only one girl, but it also means that that girl has to be a specific kind of pretty and a specific kind of nice. And, you know... Men get to be any kind of Smurf they want. Right, and we don't have space for women who, like, don't have all of their limbs or, you know, are too big or too small or too mean. Like, and, uh, you know, I, I want that. Yeah, yeah, the 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 perfectly shaped and the uh, oppressing the working class shaped. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my next choice is "Kiss Kiss Kiss" uh, by Yoko Ono and Peaches. This is from "Yes I'm a Witch," which was a remix album of Yoko Ono songs. <laughs> Different artists picked vocals or tracks or whatever and remixed them into all these different tracks. Came out in 2007. 
Um, when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the only thing there that interested me was a small exhibit of Yoko Ono's art. They had that at the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? This was years ago. Yes, and it was all fascinating. I am surprised. I feel like that's the crowd that's not real into Yoko Ono. Yes. Um, but I do love her so much as that figure who just like poked mm-hmm. at the thing everybody loves. I mean, famously. Yes. That's, yeah. Um, the All of that like she broke up the Beatles stuff is it gives not only does it give her so much power but it takes away so much autonomy from four wildly successful people who like okay they're the most successful band they are great musicians but they can't resist the witchery of this woman or is it maybe that they broke up and she happened to be there love a story of somebody getting sex and sorcelled <laughs> like love a story of somebody getting sex and sorcelled um you know i think three of my favorite witches right now are the ladies from the favorites um mm-hmm. like it, it it is such a good story of somebody you know of competing sex spells um, that also don't require seeing the women as just sexual figures. And not just a sort of like an entirely calculating monsters, but people no, yeah. who want things, you know? it's I love that movie so much um, because, yeah, exactly that. They weren't perfect. They weren't uh, infallible, but they also weren't total messes. Yes. They were believable. I believe sincerely that that movie believes that Sarah Churchill loved Queen Anne. Uh, and I kind of get mad at reviews that say that she's being entirely calculating. It, it's like, I don't think that's a character a lot of dudes can get. Uh, yeah, I think that's true of a lot of these movies recently. Like, I, I, every time, I think I've said this in the podcast before, but every time people talk about A Star is Born and talk about how terrible, how the point is that, or one of the points is that pop music is so terrible and laughable and awful. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're talking about Lady Gaga. Right. Lady Gaga wrote those songs. Lady, You, you remember from Just Dance? That yeah. was her first track at Poker Face? Yeah. These are good pop songs. They're not meaningful. They're not uh, deep and layered, but they're jams. And they have a place also. Fuck that. But also, like, the magnificent power of asses is something that's important, too. Mm-hmm. Like, many, like, everyone here is to some extent, their life is motivated by this ensorcelling power of asses. So, like, don't pretend like only songs about sadness in Montreal matter. Well, sadness in Montreal, a man's sadness in Montreal, yeah. I think people, uh, pop culture in general knows how to process more than the than a man's ass being a sexual object. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Um, men are not allowed to see themselves as sexual objects, which I think is uh, one of the many damaging parts of the patriarchy. Yeah, I think it would be nice for them to to be able to do that, and also make them treat women that they see that way differently. Well, I think that um, it's because sexual object also means dehumanization. I had, but sometimes you want to be a sexual object in the right situation right. when you're and trying to be sexual with someone. It's the thing I think is nice about being a gay man is like there's a lot of sexual objectification in being a gay man. But also we all understand we're playing the same game. So we understand that like once you're done being that magnificent whole, you can go back to your dental practice and like <laughs> be good at your job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of holes in yes. that life. You can go from be, you can go from being drilled to drilling. I did not mm-hmm. intend to make that joke. But I, I was not planning to, that. No, it had to be done. I'm sorry. It would have been a mess in here if you hadn't done it. It would have been all over the floor. It's true. Um, we talked a lot about ensorcelling people with sex. The next song is a song that is entirely about casting a spell to make someone love you. Let's hear Eternamente Bella by Nadia. Sorry, we do have to wait for an tournament today. Okay. 
Aristotle's jamming out in the booth. Okay. Uh, with a gypsy spell. So she's gonna make him love her forever by being eternally beautiful. Like that's like the number one spell. Uh, um, like yes, it's uh, I know it's not what we should use our power for, <laughs> but it is frequently what we make the spells for. It's and definitely the potions. I mean, it, at one point she says that she has a mouth that's venom and honey. Um, Again, uh, the dream. And let's be clear. A lot of people who are familiar um, with uh, like Latin, Mexican-American music are going to be like, guy, why are you not using the Alejandro Guzman classic? That's uh, what I was going to ask. Why are you using Nadia, some lady from a reality show in the early 2000s? And the answer is that Alejandro Guzman's version, which is the first one I became acquainted with, is like a little bit rockier and a little bit dirtier. Um, and that's good, but like this version has sort of like mid 2000s sort of like floatingness to it mm-hmm. um, that frankly I prefer. Mm, nice. <laughs> and I think the witches would prefer. How did you find this song? Um, Was my, it through the reality show? I, or? No. <laughs> um, my high school Spanish teacher played the original version for us. She would play us songs at the beginning of class. Uh, including quite a number of uh, ABBA songs that were done in Spanish. Oh, cool. And we would sing them. And then uh, once there was an internet, I was like, there was a song that I would just sing to myself. And I was like, I would like to find that. Uh, And then I found multiple versions of it. And it became something I love very much. I would like to know it well enough to be able to do it at karaoke. Is that, have you found it as a selection at karaoke? Um, No, but we live in Southern California. It's going to, like there's got to be there. There are moments you want to be ready for. If they ever present themselves <laughs> to you, you yeah. want to be able to rise to that challenge. There was a, a karaoke company or like group that um, if they didn't have the song, I can't remember the name of it, but if they didn't have the song that you wanted mm-hmm. um, and you pointed that out and asked them about it and like we're a cool person and nice mm-hmm. to them and like not some weird jerk who doesn't tip the karaoke KJ, um, they would build the track. Oh, that's amazing. And you could come back and they would have it. That's lovely. I forget. What are your go-tos? I forget. I mean, I have a lot of go-tos. Yeah. You know, is it a cold room? Have people yeah. already been singing? Um, is it uh, is it a young crowd? Mm-hmm. Will they be surprised by an old pick? Yeah. But um, I'm your baby tonight by Whitney Houston. Yes, very it, good. Because I can do it. Because you, you know, it's tricky picking a Whitney song. Uh-huh. It's uh, you can't fuck around. But I can do that one. Um, or um, uh, Blaze of Glory mm-hmm. by John Bon Jovi. Yes. Um, but definitely suddenly Seymour singing <laughs> both parts. I do not like when someone tries to. Oh, do you need somebody to do a part? No, no, no. I do both. I am both Seymour and Audrey in one, which is why I am single. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no room for an Audrey two in there. So, so at a piano bar, you will also do suddenly Seymour. Um, no, I don't know how I feel about piano bars because everybody sings along. Uh huh. And it's just it's just a different situation. Um, I've done piano karaoke because there's Uh same karaoke rules yeah where it's your song and everybody else can calm down even you drunk girl calm down not your mic um so yeah i feel like with a piano bar i just sort of sing along to what's going on um like the culture of piano bars in new york homosexuality is a thing that i respect very much but i cannot participate in so i don't really know how to deal with it like the night that trump was elected Bowen Yang was like, we're all going to a piano bar. And I went. This will be healing. And I felt the moment, but also I just don't have the skills for it. Well, I like that. I, 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 that's a, we've moved to a point where you don't have to be as a gay man, right? <laughs> no, it's actually very nice. Yeah. yeah. Like you can be into other things and yeah. that's no shade and there's room for it all. Um, my next choice is Bag Lady by Erica Badu. <laughs> Off of 2000's Mama's Gun. Dragging all them 
that uh, was released by Motown that reached number one in the R&B charts. And it got Eric Abadi a Grammy I like that we're we're now reaching sort of like the heart of the dance party when sort of like a deep down grooving moment. Exactly. Um, where or you can like relax and like yeah. sit down or maybe get maybe get close to a witch, you know. Um this was an interesting counterposition to a, another song I considered but did not select, which was uh Crystal Waters Gypsy Woman. Mm. Um which is another song about uh a homeless uh woman. Um, but also, I don't know if Bag Lady is about a homeless. It's not, oh. actually. This song is about, it's sort of, so if the last one was about bewitching someone else, this yeah. is about um, cutting ties of your own bewitchment, sort of. It's, oh. it's about putting down your baggage. Oh. It's about, like, if you're carrying around baggage, it's making it hard for you to get close to people. So, d- like, just dissolve it. Let it let it go. And. I considered not adding it because of that, because I'm like, why should these witches be shackled? Yeah. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. It, it happens. Power to cast spells on yourself is so important. Yeah. The, the power to make yourself f- forget something. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> like, Landslide is a powerful song in that way of just sort of... And Back I, to Stevie. I think a distinctly... A, a skill I have probably had to learn from women of sort of, like, taking something knowing that it's there and then putting it away, you Mm -hmm. know, and saying like, this isn't going to be at the forefront of what I'm doing, but we acknowledge it. But the other thing that it has in common with Gypsy Woman is a lot of like vocals that aren't words, you know, just a lot of like ahs and oohs. Ahs and oohs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the trick to a great song. Yeah. Don't be scared of an ooh or an ah. And a lot of, I know right brain, left brain stuff isn't, I think has kind of been disproven, but I think that it's useful in talking about the way that we the, the habits that we get into with the way that we think. And um, a lot of left brain people who are very like rules and words and information have a hard time with that, I think. And yes. when I've taught musical improv, which has been a lot, it's something I have to push people into a lot where I'm like, make some oohs and ahs. See what happens if you just make noises that go with the, the music. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's basically an incantation and it's how we evoke spells. Right. And there's something, there is something so reductive about just needing cleanly metered rhyming things to make something happen. Well, that's my one of my other things with musical improv. My theory is fuck the rhyme. Mm-hmm. The rhyme is the least important thing, and when you make it the most important thing, you make the most basic, boring songs. Yeah. You make, uh, I have a moon, there's the spoon, in my car, I'll go far, all these ladies love Mercedes. Like, boo, boring. Um, but if you can actually say what you want to say, and then when you get to the point where you know there's supposed to be a rhyme, either mush something into the rhyme, or just fuck it. And yeah. move on. The, the information and emotion trumps, or the emotion more really, more yeah. than the information trumps any kind of rhyme. And honestly, I think the rhyme is there just to serve the rhythm. The rhyme is like a, a like a beat almost when you hear those words. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you have rhymes in your song and they don't hit on beat, you don't hear the rhyme either. Yeah. Like they work hand in hand. So, yeah, that was a free class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a thing I respect so well, but understand not at all. I don't uh, understand why I do it. <laughs> um, it's the awesomest thing to watch. It is just sort of like watching musical improv really is just like that per- that person's so talented. When you see it done right, you're just like, I don't know that I've seen more talent than that. Well, thank you. Um, okay. So you were asking me about when I fell in love with witches. And this isn't a witch, but it is a supernatural creature. Um, And from a very young age, I had a deep love of the movie Xanadu. I figure we're now coming to the set, like the apex of this dance party like there's gonna be fun that happens afterwards but we need this central moment when everybody's grooving and we really have transcendently redefined this space let's hear Xanadu by Olivia Newton-John and ELO and ELO Title track off the soundtrack album from 1980. I almost considered using 
the track from the Broadway musical Xanadu. I am the one person who loves that show so much. Oh, I think a lot of people love that and show. It's it's so good. It's so funny. I mean, it's Douglas Carter B. Well, and it was a it was kind of a shift in Broadway. We're like, oh, we can be silly. Yeah. We can do a show that's actually kind of small. Like it's in a way, it's big, but it's. They, it's also small. They had seven muses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not like, and now we go, to, like, it's not like huge set pieces yeah. and all this. Like, you you could do that show a lot of different places. Well, it was almost it was almost hard that it required a little bit of sophistication from its audience because there's a there's an earnestness to the musical theater that it can be hard for us to, to get past. Um, but Xanadu... Is a ridiculous movie that is also so good. As my friend Aaron once said, the soundtrack is half Olivia Newton-John, half Yellow, the way life should be. Yeah, (laughs) it's such a great um, collaboration. It's so fun. Because she is so light and soft and sort of like conventionally what we expect. Uh, Oh, the the musical, the Broadway show Xanadu introduced me to the song Have You Never Been Mellow uh, by her, which is sort of like the gentlest 1970s ballad in a way that I never would have appreciated if it hadn't been for them. I should have always been a look at me, I'm Sandra D girl. <laughs> or at least a, there are worse things I could do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I'm a hopelessly devoted to you, girl. I mean... Bye now. There's nowhere to hide since you pushed my love aside. In in that song and the last one, she gets big and brassy in a way that you don't think is possible. Now I just want to fucking listen to Grease. And she also doesn't indicate, like, there's a thing that vocalists do sometimes where they're like, look at how high I am, look at how low I am. It feels like she just tosses the notes around. Like, no sweat. Uh, It's not about the notes, it's what I'm saying. And in such a still, like, as you said, like like bright, Pollyanna-ish, like a little ribbon singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, nice. Uh, I mean, and look at Xanadu. It's entirely about ribbons flowing off of her hair and hair movement generally. And roller Le- skates. And roller skates. Like, throughout the entire Xanadu number, she's directly in front of a fan with her hair just flowing. Um, and you've also got, like, that brassy... Not brassy, but just like coked up, overproduced Jeff Lynne powering everything. And I feel like after like a soundtrack that has been sometimes a little more in her space, sometimes a little more in his space, this song is just like culmination. If a unicorn was a song, (laughs) this is the song. It's so good. (laughs) And I feel like these songs are like that. That whole soundtrack. Those are the songs for for kids from the 80s girls from the 80s um who didn't like unicorns uh-huh. as much as they should have do you know what i'm saying like yes. i feel like like i was i was never a horse kid right um but this this these are jams well there was something also a little bit liberating to being told when you're 7 or 8 oh, that's a bad movie or that was a poorly reviewed mm-hmm. movie and then watching it on television and you being like i love this but why is it bad <laughs> yeah i uh i really got into a lot of those the a lot of the movies and artists and everything that i was told like oh, it's tacky it's so trashy right yeah my rebellion was oh i'm going to i'm going to get really into it. i got when i was a little kid like my dream job uh, as seen on TV mm-hmm. was prostitutes. <laughs> they were so glamorous. Yes. Look at their beautiful short skirts. It's so many sequins. It's like, important for you guys to understand that the fur coat Eliza is scaring <laughs> now with like some alterations by the wearing art department. Coat. <laughs> like would have totally been on an episode. Yes. Yeah. This is this is night court. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I think one of the. It's interesting the way that you do see these parts of society. Like, I was, like, Night Court is where we saw trans people and sex workers, yeah, you know? and it was at the in, beginning and ends of scenes. Right. <laughs> with and, the, the person they had just defended or they were coming in to defend or, and, or and, prosecute. And, like, it was deeply reductive and terrible, but it was a little bit of visibility, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I don't remember anything about Night Court except that... I loved it. Yeah. Like it was that like 7.30 show yeah. that I was like, 
this is great. That guy is the sexiest man on TV, which is wrong. That was Dan, uh, the Larroquette. Yeah, da- yeah, yeah. Uh, John Larroquette being the uh, super misogynist. But I, as a very small child, was like, "Ooh, he's got something." I want to show him that I can play. <laughs> I know, which is how my damage works. Um, so yes, Xanadu is great. My next song is "Diet Mountain Dew" by Lana Del Rey. Lana, Lana, Lana. I don't know. Lana. Uh, this is off of Born to Die from 2012. She's a very witchy persona. In that she is somebody who works in the game of moods, um, but we're not all on board with. Like, I never really, I never paid attention to Lana Del Rey. I just remember when we were all supposed to officially turn on her. And I just love that she kept doing what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't haven't been able to follow the narrative of how we're supposed to feel about her. Because, yeah, it's all, it seems like we love her, we hate her. Yeah. She's fake. We love how fake she is. It yes. makes her real. I'm like, what? What's happening? I just like the song. Um, I should try to get into it and figure it out, but yeah, I still have not been able to. Also, I want to be clear. Your code is very cute. I did not mean to oh, denigrate I, no, it. I, knew exa- I bought it for what I bought it for. It's a, it's a fake fur coat. You don't buy these to be like, this will look good to meet my waspy fiance's family over Thanksgiving. It's very cute. Thank you. I knew how you meant it, but I know. Well, let's make sure the listeners know that we're respecting each other. It's important. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mostly just picked this song because I felt like it was the, the right vibe. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't listen to anybody who is just working in sort of like a soft and moody kind of place. I like a dance song. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that sort of thing. Or someone who, ver- like, who swerves into dance or extremities, I can then be pulled back into their moodiness moments. I, what do you think would be a good way for me to like meet Lana Del Rey? <laughs> like, how should I? How should I? What should I listen to to make me understand um, what she's doing? Oh gosh, I don't know because I don't know that I have. Like, she's not someone that I feel like I'm an authority on. Okay. Um. I feel the same way about St. Vincent, where I'm like, there are tracks that I like, but I think that it's because I, I know and have seen so many people who are fans of both of them in a way that's like, creates a lot of their identity uh-huh. that I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I like the, these four songs, but you, you seem to really yeah. be all about that. So. I mean, there are very few people for whom I can go in on all of the albums. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much just Pitbull. Um, <laughs> Has now, he done a version of uh, El Monte? <laughs> no, no. Though I have to say, his version of Shake Sonora almost made my list. What? I didn't. I have not heard that. Oh, it's so good. And when you listen to it, you'll think because he verbally makes um, steel drum noises, and you're like. That's dumb until you realize it is a rich and important part of Calypso tradition, um, <laughs> making steel drum noises with your mouth. If you don't have the steel drum, it still has to be in the song. It's so good. But I decided to go with all all women on this coven dance yes, party list. Yes, I considered a Bowie song, and I was like, that's not what we're doing. Um, and clearly, I like a dance song. And is that when you primarily, you, you just said, that's mostly when you listen to music. Yes. I mean, that's like, I listen to music when I'm working out. I I like pop music, things that get get me going, you know? Uh, and sometimes, like, God knows, like, uh, Ani DeFranco or, you know, some of those things I will just go in for sort of, like, the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a different type of playlist. This yes. is not an Ani DeFranco playlist. I, can t- I tried to shoehorn in a... Um, uh, Suzanne Vega, right. Tom's Diner, with the the one with the beat, because um, she her original version was just her singing a cappella. Yeah, um, but I was like, well, no, nah, it's not quite it. So uh, I went to some ladies um, who oh. I I love when it comes to dance music. 
music, uh, Little Mix, and you're probably thinking, Guy, Little Mix, Coven Dance Party, he went for Black Magic, but I was like, no, that's too on the nose. I thought that maybe this was the point in time when some of the bitches start defying gravity um, and get things a little more three-dimensional with the dancing. So here we've got Wings by Little Mix. Now, Eliza, I have to ask you, as I started to think about this more, I realized a lot of what goes into dancing is gravity-based. And do you think that the ladies could compellingly dance to this song in a zero-gravity scenario? To this song specifically? Yeah. Let's listen. Yes, I think that that you need... You have a divided coven at this point. Though. Okay. You have some people on the ground really representing the rhythm and the bass and yeah. getting into that, and then you have people soaring over that. So you don't have, the, so you're not expecting people to like be stamping on the air up right, there. Right, right. Or even really clapping. Um, but they are lifted up by that supportive rhythm. But that that relationship between, between bass and gravity, um, oh, I, another song that came so close to making it on. Um, was George Michael's Too Funky. And mm-hmm. I, that may not make a lot of sense to people, um, but um, A, it includes uh, Mrs. Robinson, my favorite movie witch, uh, mm-hmm. casting spells over... And uh, you, the piece you wrote on her was really great. Uh, thank you. But also, it is just sort of like, I, I mean, you essentially, the video is essentially a coven of supermodels um, putting the bass in their walk. But it's <laughs> like... The idea of in that sense, uh, couldn't Freedom Ninety make it also? Yes, absolutely. But just that relationship between gravity and bass, I had never thought about before. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, um, fire and air, right? Yeah. you know, you have to have both. But I like the idea of things being complementary, and you know, some of the ladies, their their witchcraft isn't focused on flying. I mean, they're stealing milk from local cows, you know? Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. like affecting the stock market. Yeah, yeah. They're um they're they're uh, uh raising the field. They're they're they're, you know, uh, killing all the plants. Um but have you do you feel excluded from witchery? Um my participation in femininity, I have always appreciated the extent to which I was allowed to be on the ground for it. Um, but also understand that there are spaces where I'm not allowed to go. Um, and I think that I am definitely part of something um, unnatural and subversive. Okay, so you got a foot in the door. Yeah, um, but also, like, I understand that there's stuff that's not for me, and that's okay. Because I have other stuff that, that, like, is for me, you know? Yeah, I think that's the way to look at all of this stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, I remember this question came up a lot more when uh, Will and I were doing Angry Little Goats, but uh, we would get people like, how am I supposed to participate? I, I want to be in the gang, and I'm a straight white man, and so there's no room for me in the gang. Yeah. And it, I was always like, well, yeah, there is. You're just not the head of that gang. Right, You right. can, like, hang out. There are other things that you're in charge of. There's other things that are for you 100%. You can appreciate things that aren't for you, and they don't have to be made for you. Well, it, Everyone else does it. I mean, I, I think that the best corollary in our real lives is the notion of all-female shows. Like, there have been times when people have asked me to do all-female shows, and that's been lovely. I would, like, there's never a moment where I'm asking to do it or am resentful of it or anything, but, like, excited that there is this space for this thing to go on, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like, oh, you're being invited into something, and that's well, nice. And also, just because I'm not on the show doesn't mean I can't go and watch it, and yeah, I think that that exactly. is... Exactly, that's your participation in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and I think that's a real shift for a lot of people, that that's, again, so much of this stuff, I, I get annoyed with people, and I al- but then I also don't want to let them off the hook to too much by saying this, but I do say and feel like it's these systems more mm-hmm. than people and individuals. It's the, everyone who makes 
a stink about something like that or whatever has been programmed. Like they had, they were kids, some family taught them that it's yes. important for them to feel that way. And that those kind of lessons probably went along with a lot of real uncool no, experiences. Like, like this that, isn't for you. You don't play with dolls and it's bad. I don't know. That part of it is hard. Like the people who taught you how science worked and like what, you know, where the sun goes, they also taught you all of these things. Um, and f- growing up and figuring out which ones you can let go of is hard. But I want to make one mm-hmm. of the. I should feel at a coven dance party the way that I want women to feel at a gay bar. Yes. Of like, this space, go for it. Like, have all of the fun that you can have there. Okay. Because it is a space that is not marginalizing or objectifying you the way that it would otherwise. But also understand that we have different rules. And you don't make those rules because there are there are so frequently those girls at a gay bar who mm-hmm. are annoyed that the bartender isn't paying as much attention to them or are annoyed that like things can are physically a little bit shovier, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um and it's just like this isn't a place that exists in deference to you, but it is a place that you can enjoy. Yeah. I think that it's um it's a balance. Again, it just takes a little extra effort, and it's areas in which these people are not used to being asked to make that effort. And also, no one is asking them. Right. There's no like instructions. There perhaps should be. Like, here's a here's a card, ladies. Before you walk in, read this. But would you like to know who the greatest witches are? Um, like one time, I showed up to the cock in New York at like three thirty a.m. when the sex is going on everywhere, and there was a woman there. Anytime I see a woman in like the heart of darkness of gayness, <laughs> it's like she knows more than I ever will. Like those those people are shaman. Like there are these women who participate so much, like straight women who participate so much in homosexuality, like. I have a a bit where I ask people about the hanky code and the frequency with which the person answering the question about the hanky code is a woman is like beautiful because I understand that like within my world, there are these strange shaman who like understand gayness better than I do, who uh, don't have the relationship to it. But the hanky code also, that's something that like women, I think, are particularly suited to find fascinating Uh because it's a code we communicate emotional things and needs through code all the time yeah. and it's a fashion based code <laughs> yes it's yes. exactly like yeah i would our world would be even better if there was more of that but straight men would have maybe a hard do you time following along do you follow the twitter account that um that decodes queen elizabeth brooches no I mean, oh wait! Get in on that. I, no, I haven't followed the Twitter, but I've like read. I think that they they've had it like in blogs and stuff. Also, yes, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. good about and the weird shady ones sometimes. Yes. And like, yeah, um, yeah. I I I think that going back to how straight women need to act in gay bars, um, you're supposed to be a little bit on your toes. You're supposed to be a little bit more aware. You're supposed to be a little bit like. Is this okay? Mm-hmm. And the answer is probably, if that's your mindset, the answer is probably going to be Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. All I've, the time. Yeah. But if you're just like, yay, it's my time. Like, no, it's not. Right. That's not. Um, and that's, I find that interesting, the idea of the bartender not paying attention to you. Because I'm sure they don't even know that that's what they're annoyed about. Right. And they're not aware of the uh, preference that they normally get. Yeah. They're like, this is just the way it is. I had a friend who is gorgeous like just traffic stoppingly good looking um and i didn't know how much farther down on the general attractiveness rating i was until i started hanging out with her and then i was like okay all right and i found out because there is a world that she lives in that is different where like she walks in a place and a bartender just hands her a drink she didn't have to order she doesn't have lines to wait in and i'm like what this is how you always get treated and she's like i'm sorry yeah i, I know i remember one of my friends being it having to pay for a drink for the first time yeah, when he was like know. 33 and it was like they just don't know it's over now buddy <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh yeah uh, um but but i will say that friend is like, she's on her toes kind of all the time. Like, she lives her life as a straight woman in a gay bar where she's yeah. like, uh, okay, I have rules that are that I shouldn't expect 
people to come at me and I don't know, it's not quite, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. always managing it and realizing that you're in a different set of circumstances or like a different perspective than other people. Anyway, yeah, that was Wings by Little Max. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I think this is a great playlist. Thank you for having me. You are one of my favorite witches, Eliza Skinner. Oh, likewise, Guy. Where can people find you? People can find me on all of the internet as at Guy Branham. Uh, and they can also buy my book, My Life as a Goddess, available wherever books are sold. It's such a good book. Thank it's you very really, much. really great. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Eliza Skinner. You can follow the podcast at, at Cool Playlist Pod. You can also find our website at coolplaylistpod.com and you can find links to all the playlists we make and anything we talk about and our Patreon. We don't have advertisers, so we rely on Patreon co-producers like you. The theme music is by Ross Bryant. The art and logo is by D. Billy at Duchess and the Queen Studio. And the podcast is produced by cool DJ Aristotle Acevedo. Oh, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Everybody loves that. Bye.